Hey everyone, this is my brother Michael. My brother Adam. We're the Sharf Brothers. You're listening to Mentoring for the Modern Musician. At the recording studio where I used to work, an artist came by asking about some studio time. He was like, how much is the studio time here? I said, it's 35 bucks an hour, and if you get a four-hour block, you can get a discount. And he was like, I want one. I'm like, okay, one block? He's like, nah, bro, one hour. I asked him, what are you trying to do in one hour, man? He's like, I want to record vocals on five beats for my EP. I said, five songs? Dude, it takes me 15 to 20 minutes just to load your music and set everything up. And this dude was like, bro, my songs are three minutes each. Three minutes times five songs plus some hooks and ad-libs gonna be about 20 minutes. That's gonna leave you a good 30 minutes to mix everything. Mix? (laughs) So what did you do? I sent them away, man. I can't do a good job under those conditions. You gotta get serious about your music, man. So welcome, <laughs> welcome to mentoring for the modern musician. That that is uh, that's a rap rat. I love, them. <laughs> we, I love. Those I follow. Guys. We follow them on Instagram. Oh. It literally is just R A P R A T Z rap rats, uh, and their their little bio says uh, humanoid rodents on a mission to defend hip hop by any means. <laughs> <laughs> they are awesome, and they have stuff like that all the time. All the time. It's just. Yeah. There's this other one about like where they're like, Hey, what's the matter, lyrics? Oh, nothing. Nobody in rap cares about me anymore. <laughs> oh, don't worry, lyrics. You you're gonna matter. You'll come back into style soon. <laughs> it was just this hysterical stuff. Yeah. Uh, you know, for somebody it's it can get risque, but, well, but yeah. it's it's all oh, it's just but so it's, great. Well it's rap. Well so. so what's great about that little bit that they yeah. do is about unrealistic expectations about yeah. recording. So today we're going to be talking about. We talk a little bit about the recording process. The recording process. It won't be the won't be the last time we talk about recording. Oh but, my gosh! There's, but, we could talk about this every day for the next twenty years and still. Absolutely, be more, because so. there's so much involved. But one of the reasons that I I I wanted to start with that yes. is because I I don't think that's it doesn't feel. We've experienced this so much with people who want to come in and record. That it is it it's not really the exception. No, right. You know, that right. That the idea that you know, so I mean it's you know, my song's like three minutes. So should take like an hour, right? I mean Yeah, I mean like I mean I already got the tracks. What are you you were good. I'm gonna come in and crush the vocals. You know, I'll go I'll go through the vocals. The song's three minutes, so the vocal will take three minutes, and then uh you mix it up. In like another three minutes or something, and it'll definitely sound like uh, you know, <laughs> it'll like, sound like Kendrick Lamar, like right? uh, DJ Khaled, right? It'll like, sound like uh, you know, like an Adele track. Oh, absolutely. Because I, you know, I got I my voice is kind of like hers. Oh yeah, so and, I, and I'm I, look. Here's the thing: I, I practice all the time. I'm I can get time. it done in one I mean, take, dude. I, I mean, I'm, I'm you know, I'm Steve Perry. I can get it done in one take. I've listened to this. <laughs> I forgot <laughs> Steve Perry used to do it in one take. <laughs> uh, you know, I've listened to all that Sam Smith record, and I, I'm definitely, you know, I, uh, oh that's, man, because there's really just one vocal on there, and just I mean, maybe you should hear piano me. track, right? You should hear me. You should hear me sing. I mean, I'm. And here's I mean, when thing. I do my thing. Here's the thing: when you, I get in the booth, when I, you're doing your thing, you're crazy, man. <laughs> that's where your real, your real madman comes out. You get in the booth. Um, but th- this is the thing: is that yeah, like even if you are amazing, Adele, yeah, yeah. Sam Smith. 
Right. Um, Bruno Mars. Kendrick Lamar. Kendrick Lamar. Uh, John Mayer. Uh, Beyonce. Even if you're, right. even if you are like the toppermost of the poppermost, most from Magic amazing. Dragons. Yes. Chris Martin. The lead singer. Chris Martin from Coldplay writes. If you are those guys, lead singer from Imagine Dragons, man. I, I know I, I keep saying this, but I saw them in Boston. Yeah. Amazing. Right. Tremendous. I mean, just amazing. Right. But here's the thing. Even if you are any of those huge, amazing, toppermost of the poppermost people, your vocal tracks are going to take Shelton. a while. Yes. Sexiest man in, in America, apparently. He's, he's apparently the sexiest that's man in what America. They, that's, what, that's what they said this year. I, what do I know? Okay. What do I know? All right, fine. He's got a heck of a voice, man. And that, he's an amazing singer. But he's I guarantee you, amazing singer. I guarantee you that his tracks, first of all, are not one take. Absolutely not. And that there's not one of his vocal. I know this is the other thing, and I, you know, you guys can try this when you're when you're listening to music. Now, there almost never in a modern song are you going to hear a vocal track where it's one vocal where it's one it's always stacked vocal it's and even if it's not even if it's not obviously stacked it's stacked they will do things like take the main vocal and copy the track mm-hmm. and put a little bit of delay on either side mm-hmm. pan it left and right mm-hmm. throw some distortion on one of that's them that's on one of them that and may, then, maybe they'll do distortion on one of them they'll do heavy delay on another one right and, and they'll it, do a, a heavy gated Right. Delay on And some kind of fourth. funky verb that comes in exactly. after on the trail of the vocal. And and what happens then is when you listen to it, you're like, man, that vocal sounds huge. It's amazing. And it is. But there's but it's not multi- one vocal. And that, okay, so doing all those things didn't that we were just talking minutes. about didn't take 15 minutes, man. <laughs> that can take hours and right. hours. Exactly. But it sounds amazing. Mm-hmm. So part of what's, I think, important to to understand about the recording process is the recording process and performing live are not most of the time are not the same right. thing right right when you perform yeah. live people experience the room mm-hmm. people experience whatever they've been drinking right or eaten or whoever right. they're there with the energy the energy in the, the room the ambiance the walk from the car to the club or the concert right. hall. The reverberation of your vocal off the concrete walls or off the back of the stadium. Their own personal or, expectations and feelings yes. and emotional connection to whatever it is you're doing. The fact that the boots you're wearing are amazingly cool. <laughs> right. All of this. Yes. And usually volume. The right. sheer volume of the music. Making your ears ring. Makes you experience the music differently. Right. Well, you right? feel it. And you feel it in a way, yeah. and you're watching it, right? And you're smelling it. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, smell the glove. <laughs> the, the, well, no, it should be forced to smell it repeatedly. But, you know, but. they should they should be made to smell it, but, but not uh, repeatedly. No, but, yeah. spinal tap reference. Thank quick you. interjection. That was a spinal tap reference. If you haven't watched it yet, watch it. Watch spinal tap. Funny, funny, funny. Fake documentary. Um, mockumentary. Mockumentary, that. if you will. Um, the, the 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 so all of those things go into your experience of what you hear right right okay so now if the singer's pitch is a little bit flat or a little yeah. sharp you're not only are you not going to care you're not going to you're notice not going to notice it because there's so much other stuff going on right. all right when you go into the recording studio mm-hmm. let's say you're a four piece band right right 
you have to recreate all of those things that Michael and I just talked about Mm -hmm. and get people to experience that without ever seeing you, without ever drinking anything, without ever smelling you, without ever (laughs) seeing your cool boots or walking to the club or having the volume or... Or hearing, or hearing everybody shouting around you or having someone whisper into your ear while that's going on. And you need to help the audience, the listener, experience all of that. Right. So part of what you do to create that is different things in the studio. Right. People used to talk about, oh, there's, they're more of a studio band than they are a live band. So they would, they would say that about bands like Steely Dan. Right. Right. You could say that about Imagine Dragons. Except it's not true. Except, exactly. The problem is, mm-hmm. once you go to a concert, you go, oh no, oh no, they're, they're not just a studio band. But right. the experience of what it sounds like live is different. If you listen to a direct tape off there's of no that real, board. Then there's no real epic guitar solos on there recorded. No, but man, live. I love right. that. Yeah. I love that about them. Mm-hmm. Um, but, so even if you're an amazing studio band, um, your live it's uh, presentation of that mm-hmm. is going to have to do some trickery right. to get you to feel what it feels like in the studio. Because in the studio, exactly. you will have your drum pattern and the tambourine mm-hmm. and the shaker and maybe the sort of salsa kungas that you fly in and on the chorus. Maybe the extra kit right. that you throw in there on the chorus or on the bridge. or And the volume will be kicked up. Maybe 2 dB. And maybe there's going to be a, a sub-bass you know, 808 kick that's gonna go on the floor on the floor that's going to happen in the choruses. Right. Because in the chorus, in the concert, everybody's singing the lyrics and you're right. like on, sitting, standing on your chair and mm-hmm. you're, you know, flying and everything's great. And in the studio, you're j- or, or in the studio version, you're when just, you're listening, to it, you're just listening, listening to it. Right. Right? You're right. Or maybe, maybe watching a lyric video on, on YouTube before the record's out. Exactly. Or whatever. This is, one, this is one of the reasons why videos became so important. Yeah. Or were such a useful tool in mm-hmm. the in the modern medium of music because they give you some of the visual right. experience that you get from a live performance. Right. Although a video isn't, unless it's live video, or unless it's really boring live video, <laughs> where it's just the band standing there, you know, right. which was what the first videos were. Of course. But... Uh, just because it was just supposed to be a movie of CCR playing on... Midnight special. Right. You know, just, all right, cool. Right. Yeah, that's what they look like. Man, exactly. I never knew what they look like when they move. <laughs> we used to just see pictures well, of them. And it, so some of this started because the the uh, the type of recordings were taking up less space sonically. Right. Yes. So digital recording at, in the, at the outset just took up less space than a tape recording, you know, than, than a than a analog recording did sonically. There's just less. There's less. Like, hiss, there's less hiss. There's less ambient noise. There's because it's clean. Because it's right. it's right. And so one of the things that started to happen was you would you would start to combat that by doing extra things. And then we moved into a an era where pitch it never, fixing. It never occurred to me that that may have been a causal effect. I'm gonna have to do some research on that, folks. I think it's definitely true. Okay, Michael's Michael's convinced. No, I will def- continually I, and, and I will continually do my research. And and I think Dave Grohl would would agree with me. <laughs> okay. So and I think that's, that's all that matters. To tape. I think that's all that matters. That if you can get Dave Grohl to agree with you, it's obviously true. If Dave Grohl says it, it's true. Exactly. So 
And then we run into the we run into the to the era of pitch fixing. Yeah. Where when was the last time you listened to a song from the eighties? Oh. <laughs> Dude, I heard uh, you uh, listen back and you go, Oh my god, that's I heard Hold On Loosely by thirty eight special the other day. <laughs> I, I, I was floored. I'm like, yeah. I don't even, he's all, he's not just flat. He's not just sharp. He's all right over the place. Right. My ears were fine with that. Yeah. I mean, even if you listen to old Bing Crosby stuff, Bing, you know, Bing goes flat. Right. Right. It happens. Right. right. And you don't notice it because you're, it's not, that wasn't the point. Right. Right. But now that we got into this digital perfection. Right. Right. That's what you hear. Right. Okay. So one of the things that happens, if you. If you pitch fix everything, it takes up less space sonically. Again, the voice sounds flatter. It doesn't sound as present. It doesn't not, sound right. as... Not flat pitch-wise, but, but not flat... pitch-wise, but... Narrower. Narrower. Well, because of... And You're this, narrowing this the field. A, this is a hard visual to do on... Yeah. on on radio? Uh, an audio <laughs> uh, uh, media. But but imagine that my, my two hands are flat out and they're about eight inches apart. That's how wide the note space is. And you can be anywhere within that. And beyond. And beyond. You can sort of be a little bit on the lower part and you're kind of flat. You could be up toward the top of it and be a little bit brighter, a little bit sharper. Mm-hmm. This is that thing we were talking about, about sharp major keys and flat major keys. Right. That composers uh, used. So if you wanted something to be super bright, you'd write it in F sharp major if you right. wanted it to be a little darker you'd write it in g flat major right same note on the piano an f sharp and a g flat it's the same right note. but it isn't on a but bass or a violin and 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 right. on uh uh you know brass and woodwind right. they'll be played slightly, slightly brighter or slightly darker yeah. and with pitch fixing particularly when it's when it's really heavy-handed which lots of times it is in mm-hmm. pop music or in dance music um it is just throwing the note into the dead center right of that space. So it's taking up less space. Right. So how do you compensate? Well, you compensate by adding two or three vocals underneath it. Right. And adding different effects to them to give them more space. Right. And, some right. Very, and the ironic part is very often uh, a modulating effect will have the effect of making some of them sharp or making flatter, some flatter of them sharper. Flatter. Not, out, not outside exactly. the, the mode, but it will still and here's the thing. brighten it and darken it. And here's the thing. You can rail against that. Right. You can you can wish that it wasn't like that anymore. You can say that's not how they did it in the old days. Mm-hmm. You can say anything about that. Right. That's how it is. That's how it is. And you can rail against it. That's a great way to put it. But it's not going to change the it's fact not that that's change what's it. going on. That's where it is. So, what you can expect when you're going to record a vocal is that most of the time you're going to have to do it more than once. Right. You're not going to sing the song all the way through. Right. You're going to sing the verses first. Right. Then the bridge. Yep. Then the chorus. Yep. You might do the bridge last. Right. And in, in case you're going to really because you're going to really your blow your voice out in the bridge. Right. Yeah. And so you're going to. That's how you're going to do it. Yeah. You're not now. Gonna, there are situations where you're an amazing guitar player singer. Um. Right. And you are recorded live right. in the studio because we don't want to take away from right. the brilliant thing that happens when those two elements are being played together. Exactly. Right? And that's cool. But then sometimes, very often, in addition to that, mm-hmm. you record a vocal over that vocal. Right. So, and is that going to happen in one take? Uh, it, it depends on how amazing you are. Is it going to happen in one take? 
we are going to do multiple takes anyway. Thank you. I mean, we're always exactly. going to do multiple. We're even gonna, if you, even if it exactly. sounds like it was perfect from beginning to end, <laughs> we're still going to have you do another. We're one. still going to go. Hey, man, can you see? That's amazing. Break it? Let's see if you can top that. Let's see if you can top it. Yeah. Right. Um. And so so, uh, the recording. The, the way recording happens now in a modern production way mm-hmm. is slightly is just slightly different it is different this is all right this is a good time to bring in the grandma story absolutely okay so our, our so grandmother our grandmother was carol richards she sang uh and was had a really cool musical career in the in the 50s is our you, mom's mom if you remember that we're coming into christmas season so it's grandma season right because if you remember the bing crosby song silver bells that's our grandmother our grandmother's the woman singing with him singing with bing crosby on that and so when we were kids we would let you know we still listen i still listen to that mm-hmm. uh, absolutely every every year yeah. um and when we, i remember asking her when i was old enough to understand kind of how cool a thing mm-hmm. that was wow man what was that like recording um with bing and like what what did that what did, right. what did the set went, so what I, might been, I might have been like 14 or 15 because mm-hmm. i i understand all of a sudden went wow wait she was in the studio for that and there was right was there an orchestra there or how did yeah. that work and so she told us this great story that that they went in and it was a new song and and uh Quick side note: She couldn't read music very well, right? And nobody knew that because she didn't tell anybody. And back in the day, like you would get in and just you'd sight read, you'd just right. sight read what was going on. So she sort of did her best sight read through it. And she'd have him play it through once, have him play it through once, and then uh, so she gets there. The orchestra is all there. Tremendous ear, tremendous, tremendous ear, tremendous ears. Um, the orchestra's there. Bing is there. She's there. Director. The engineers producer. are in the booth. You've got a producer. The songwriter is there, the conductor conducting the orchestra, and then um, they run through it once, and then make some changes, mm-hmm. try some different harmony things, run through it again, and um, then pretty much have it like they want it, mm-hmm. and they go, okay, rolling, rolling, beginning to end, right, and they're done. They fade it out live while it's being recorded, mm-hmm. and that is the song we've been listening to since the mid '50s. Right, right. It's in like that is how everything yeah. was recorded. Exactly. That is just not the case now. That's insane. Right. I well, I remember talking to uh, Clark Terry, who was this brilliant um, jazz trumpet player. Mm-hmm. I got to talk to him at UNH once, and mm-hmm. when I was young, a young buck. And he was talking about playing sessions in this period of time as well. Right. right. And I was like, well, what did, what did you do when you made a mistake? And he laughed. He goes, we didn't make mistakes. I was like, what? He's like, nah, you make a mistake, you don't get called back. Right. So these musicians were all so on top of it <laughs> that they could just sight read and just play it correctly. Right. Because they were amazingly well rehearsed and mm-hmm. practiced and on it. And that's what they did. All right. So that's how this, the world was. Right. Great story. <laughs> and that's, you know, as, as close as we can tell to it ever, like, that's what it was there. She told us what it that's was. What and that was her recollection. First person to ever be recorded in stereo. Right, I forgot for about movie. that. Because she, she she used to do voiceovers she, for movies as well. Right, so any Sid Charisse movie, that's, that's Carol Richards, that's our grandma. 
Right. You know, so silk so that, stockings, break it down. So this is, again, this is where you're like, yeah. oh, the pitch fixing everybody right. Here's the thing that we happen to know from some personal experience is that, yeah, they didn't use to pitch fix people in the movies because they would have somebody else sing it. They would have a professional singer sing it. <laughs> right. So, so exactly. just like well, the, the Millie Vanilli thing, right? Exactly. They had other people sing it. It wasn't right. that they pitch fixed it. No. There'd be no thing to talk about if the guys from Millie Vanilli had just, had been, just pitch been pitch fixed. fixed. It wouldn't have sounded as cool because they weren't as good singers. Right. The session players that sang it were amazing. Absolutely, um, the session singers that, that sang it were amazing. But but right. so, like that's what that's why I guess maybe that's part of it for me that, that mm-hmm. the pitch fixing thing doesn't doesn't offend me in the same way. I just I'm not I'm not delicate about my sensibilities well, about just, recording. I mean, here's the thing: that's just how it is, right? Which is better to have? We don't, a, use, we don't really use push mowers anymore either, right? Like in Lawnmower Man. Exactly. Yeah, no, I mean like the ones that have no no motor. motor. Right. Yeah. yeah. I have exactly. one of those. They're brutal though. Yeah. Well, but you and you might do it for anymore. your little tiny yard yeah. in Brooklyn. Right. But you're not going to do it for your ironic. acre and a half. You do it to be ironic. Well, so. Yeah. But you're not going to do it in your for your acre and a half. No. Right. Right. Because things have changed. Right. It is different. Now I'm not saying we don't that. use instant coffee anymore either. Thank God. Oh, I know. Right. Remember just making a cup of instant Folgers <laughs> crystals. Mmm. And you just put. Like a spoonful of coffee crystals. <laughs> Freeze-dried coffee crystals. In a cup and pour water on it. Oh, man. Oh, I really need a cup of coffee. Mm, that's a good <laughs> cup of coffee. Good cup of Folgers coffee right there. <laughs> but so, so I, and I'm intentionally using examples like that. You know, we don't use ice to keep our refrigerators cold anymore either. This is true. That's why we don't call it an ice box. Right. You know, so there's all kinds of things like that. And maybe they're not quite the same, you know examples but no and I, look i get it i understand that people are offended by pitch fixing and that they'll say you've got people who aren't good enough to be that shouldn't be singing that aren't good enough to be singing and there's better singers and and that don't need pitch fixing and okay all right i understand I, I hear what you're saying the reality of what's going on though is you do it this is where we are right right absolutely and even amazing singers we pitch fix yeah I'm just like going. I don't think we've Adele. I, Adele is pitch fixed. Is pitch fixed. I, I'm I'm sorry. That's, Absolutely. That's the deal. Yeah. D- so you can not like it. Mm-hmm. And, and pitch fixing isn't like T Pain. Auto tune. It's not. It's not like T Pain. Right? I can't even do now, a rotation of it. But, but T Pain, what a brilliant thing he did. Right. Because that was him creating a sound. Totally. Turn up the bass. Turn up the treble. I'm about to take it to a Right? Absolutely. And that is his sound now. Right. Right? Right. Uh, kind of clever, actually, using modern technology and uh, a specific recognizable sound, kind of over the top, mm-hmm. you know, going 100% on it. Awesome. Right. So that's his sound. That's But that's not what we're talking about with pitch fixing. We're talking about edging notes slightly sharper or slightly flatter right. when the singer isn't perfectly in the pocket. Exactly. When that area of, ooh, this is a great way to... I don't know how many people will remember this. You know, there's this paper that they give you when you're first learning how to write. We used to give this to us in grade school. I don't know if they still do this. I don't know if they do this. They used to. So there were two blue lines and there was a a, a, a red line in the middle. Dotted. A dotted line in the middle, and you were supposed to use your lowercase letters Below the only up line. to the bottom line, and then the, the you take up the full space with the uppercase letters, right? Right. That's kind of what a note is like. Yeah. And if you're on the top part of the red line, you're on the sharp part. If you're on the mm-hmm. bottom part of the red line, you're on the flat part. Right. In that space, it's all good. 
Once you get like up above the line or below the line, it's too sharp or too flat to actually be that note, and you're edging toward right. the or note on either side. Even if the note is only like you have like a tiny part of it is below, right? You still you know just just bump it just bump a, it little, up a little, just right. And because here's the thing: the only the only instrument that is capable of playing in the middle of that staff, in the middle of that line, consistently every single time is an electronic instrument. Correct. Every other instrument, right. including a voice, right. is going to fluctuate. So, And that's a great way to put it. So now, people have different ways of using uh, tuning mechanisms, mm-hmm. us- using pitch fixing. Right. My favorite way to do it is the same way I use an electric tuner on my guitar, which is I get right. it so that it doesn't offend my ear anymore. Exactly. When I'm listening through, I never want to have my head turn like I'm a dog that just heard something. Burp, burp. You know what I mean? And and so I listen through right. to a vocal track mm-hmm. until I have anything that makes me go, and then right. and you just, I go back to that note, move that note, and I move that note enough that I don't go, right. I'm not a huge fan in most situations of heavy-handedly no, just putting auto-tune on. And just leave it. And just leave it. Nope. Unless mm-hmm. it's a dance track. Right, if it's or, a jazz track, perfect. Or it's it's a specific kind of um, like uh, urban track. urban urban track yeah. because now again that's that's like choosing your drum kit. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? In the in urban stuff, we tend not to use uh, more natural sounding. Absolutely, you don't want drum organic, kits. You don't usually go with an organic sounding drum unless kit unless you're doing that on purpose, right? To be specifically in a to make right. a specific statement. But so again, it's it's choosing what you're using for your instrumentation or right. for your production tools so that you are creating something cool right so i'm gonna just do a little t sign with my hands now time out right and i'm gonna i'm just gonna remind everybody that you're i thought michael was telling me to get a, a drink you're, of tea. I'll you're, you're listening to mentoring for the modern musician mentoring for the modern musician um the the uh podcast to go along with the to support our website Yes. Uh, M3artist.com. Which you can also get to mentoringforthemodernmusician.com. You absolutely can. And the reason that I wanted to take a pause there for a minute is to um, remind everybody that we're talking about recording not too, too in-depth, but a little bit Mm in-depth, mostly to give some artists out there who maybe haven't recorded yet an idea of what actually goes into Right. Doing a good right. recording. So we just talked for, I don't know, what, at least... 20 minutes. I mean, and probably 10 of that was on vocal sounds. Right. Right? We just talked about vocal sounds for, for 10, 10 minutes. minutes. Okay, so you're going to come in and do a vocal track, and I promise you we're going to spend, you know, 10 times that trying to get a good vocal sound. Right. After we've spent 10 times that getting a good vocal take. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Now, that's just the vocals. Right. Okay. Now, now, what what mic are you going to use? Exactly. And what, what preamp are you going to use? And while you're in the studio, I have to set that mic up. That's exactly right. I have to figure it out for your height. I have to figure it out for. I have to make sure that the booth is a good temperature for you. I want to make sure that you've got water yep. or tea, and that you've got a good mix in your headphones. Make sure that you are feeling good. That you are in the appropriate, you know, space. Yep. mentally and emotionally 
to yeah. deliver this vocal. And so this is what part of what we do as as producers right. and engineers. But as, as producers, what we're doing is we're setting the mood. All right, so if you're recording at home, then you're, like with most things in your career, <laughs> Direct if you don't have somebody else That's doing it. you then. It's you at that moment. So right. do the same thing for yourself. Right. Take a minute. Right. Don't just set up the mic and hit record and sing it once through and now you're done. Right. Um, you're just, that's just not going to be the best take. Exactly. So, and the reason that I wanted to bring that up is is because I want you all to be able to have realistic expectations. Yeah. Of how much it's going to cost and how much yeah you how much time you're you're going to be spending. Yep. Doing a vocal take. It isn't yes. like rehearsing it. Nope. With your band or with backing tracks. Nope. It's not. It, so you should be well rehearsed before you go into the studio. Absolutely. Because you don't want to waste valuable time and money figuring it out. You're not the Rolling Stones. You're not going to write the song in the studio while the studio clock is running. Right. Right? Maybe some huge bands like can still do that, although I doubt very much that they'll do much of it. Right. Right. <clears throat> so we want to... One of the reasons that we're doing this episode is because I want... We, we want you to have a good realistic idea of where some of the cost is going to come from. Exactly right. And some, so some of the cost associated, you want to you make sure that you have an understanding of, a realistic understanding of time. So right. sometimes that is, you know, studio time. Exactly. And it can be like in the... The Rap Rats thing. I think they said it was 35 bucks an hour, which is... 35 bucks, which is outstanding. St- outstandingly cheap. It's amazing. It's got to be without the engineer. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's, but, but so you'll have the hourly rate of the studio. Mm-hmm. You also then are going to have any musicians that you bring in or anybody you're paying additionally. So you might, if you're mm-hmm. paying a producer, the producer's fee is not included in the, in nope. the hourly studio. And it usually fee. ends up being about 20% of your budget. Twenty or thirty yeah. percent depends on depends, depends on, on the, the size of the budget and the producer. Yeah. Um, you're also it, it, easiest way to think about mixing is because people are like, "Oh, what do you mean mixing?" You know, <laughs> so the tracks go into the recording mechanism. Most of the time, we're we're we'll be in what's called um, your your DAW D A W all capitals digital audio workstation a DAW. Like Pro Tools or Logic or GarageBand or you know um, Fruit Loops or or anything you're doing will um, be what it what what that used to be is the tape machine right and the ex, the out the board bo- the outboard that big board that everybody that has the mixers and the every, faders and right when you picture a studio that's what you think of well lots of times now you're on a laptop or right. you're on a desktop and and there isn't that that's all internal. Mm-hmm. Um, but when everything goes into that mechanism, just like in the old days, when it went mm-hmm. on to tape, it isn't at a specific level. So you have a vocal track. So it's not at a specific volume. A specific volume. In Correct. the mix. Right. So you can manipulate it so that it's louder or quieter. Each individual instrument, including vocals. Right. And sometimes there'll be multiple. So if, with guitar tracks, we'll very often have, you know, even if it sounds like it's a trio, we'll have six or seven. Easily. Uh, electric guitar tracks making it sort of combined so it sounds like one well each one of those tracks is unmixed and meaning the level is not set yet right it can be anywhere you want 
then which side do you pan it to? Do you go left or right? Left, is it in the middle? Side? Is it right? Is it in the middle? How is it EQ'd? How is it compressed? And Stop compress- for a second. Yes. EQ. Equalization. Right. Meaning... Um, which part this- of the frequency right. of, the, of the instrument you're going to hear. Anything you've ever had that had, like in your car stereo, treble, mid-range, bass... Yes, and, and an how EQ much of each has you know like twelve band usually, right. or, a, a, any, or sometimes have, more. Yeah, you get crazy right. amounts of that. Exactly. Um, That's just one thing that then you have to do is EQ each instrument, each track, each, each piece, piece. Right. So what level it is, where it is in the mix, uh, panning wise, panning meaning left or right. Mm-hmm. Uh, how, what 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 other effects it has on it? Does it have right. reverb? Does it have delay? And then making sure all of those sit well and coexist and well then, together just like and if, then there's the compression to make sure that right that it's not that it's a consistent sound all the way through right you don't want all of a sudden because you played a chord harder for that chord to necessarily stand out audio wise right. unless you do unless you do unless that's the point well, right, exactly but, but the, so think about mixing levels before the compressing and all the, the, yep. the processing think of the compression and all that stuff as processing if you think about the mixing, like a band rehearsal, right? Trying to get levels to compensate for how loud the drummer is, right? Right. Turn the bass up, and then all the guitar players always want to turn themselves up. I can't hear myself. Right. I can't hear myself. I can't hear myself. And then you can never hear the vocalist because the PA isn't powerful enough, right? right. But when you're in a in a club and you're in a good situation, it'll actually sound. You have someone and they really can do good that mixing. for you, right? Sounds amazing. Okay, think about how long if you've ever been to a club. How long is sound check? Right? right. If you're the headlining band, it's as long as you want. <laughs> and the headlining band sounds better than the band that goes on first because they right. got whatever was left. Right. If they got anything more than a line check right. where they just go, is it on? All right, go. Right. But so the mixing process, just like a sound check, mm-hmm. takes at least as long on each song as it took to record it. Right. Let's say it's just a band and you're an amazing band. Yes. And you go in live. Yes. And you spend two hours recording one song, which would be pretty amazing. Getting be sounds. incredible if you're talking about vocals, too. Playing through it, getting Wouldn't vocals. Wouldn't be vocals, too. It's not going to happen. But, well, let's, but let's pretend. Well, maybe let's, let's pretend. Let's pretend that, that, that we, it took that two hours to That such a band exists. Right? You ought to figure at least two hours of mixing Mix. that song. Right. So the song so if, that if, took you two hours to record really took you four hours to record. Right. Now, that's without any kind of mastering. Right, and mastering is a whole another thing, we're, which usually takes at least as long. We'll do a podcast on mastering. on mastering something. We will. So, what that means then, the reason that this is important is, and I, look, I know we're going into the weeds on this. There's, no, but there's, it's important. There's a lot. It's important because what it means is that if you go to a studio and they say we're thirty five dollars, I'm not even going to say that out loud because that just seems ridiculous no, to me. Ridiculous. And they say we're running a deal and we're fifty dollars an hour. Right. That doesn't mean, and you know, you've rehearsed and you've recorded, you know, on your, you know, on GarageBand in your practice place. Right. And you know that you can get a great take where everybody's on in two hours. You know it. Right. That doesn't mean that it's going to cost you $100. No. It means that it's going to cost you at least $400. And $400 for a two, demo. $200, you mean? Yeah, for, $200, for right. He just went 200, sorry. Confused him. Because I went, there's no way it's going to take you that long. That's, that's what happened in my head. I'm like, look, I know you think it's going to take you two hours, but it's going to take you more. It, that's for a demo. Right. 
Right. That's not right. for That's not for a record that you hear a on record the that you hear on the radio or that you're going to get spins on on Spotify or iTunes. No. It just isn't. No. Those songs that you're hearing even by independent artists are going to cost as much as Oh yeah, I mean so look, look $10,000 a song. Yeah, I mean it, and, and and even if you're doing it on a your song. own, like there are amazing people who record on their own, yes. who are tremendous, you know, recordists, absolutely recording their stuff, and they, and they're good at mixing, mm-hmm. and they 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 do a decent. There's some great mastering software you can get absolutely. that sounds pretty good and, mm-hmm. and and will work well. There's amazing people that are able to do that, but uh, they'll they'll still do fifteen or twenty mixes. Right. Of the same song to find it so that it works right. All right, so well, imagine that, right? So you're trying to get it right. In order to get the mix to sound right, you have to listen through to the mix. Right. So it's a three-minute song. you got to listen to it three to five minutes to listen through that song. Right. And then maybe you go, ah, the guitar's a little loud there. So you bounce it out. Bounce it out means you go from an unmixed thing into a mixed thing, which you can have an MP3 or a WAV file just so you can listen to it. Right. And then you go, ah, it's close, but... Let's have the choruses be a little couple dB louder. So right. now you go in, you do the mixing, you work on it, you turn it up, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Then you, after that's done, you bounce that out again. That's mix number two. Right. Close. All right, cool. But I don't know why the tambourine's so loud now. <laughs> I don't know. Okay, so let's go back. Now we turn the tambourine down a little bit. And this goes on this and go on, on and, and, on, and, on, and, on, and, and on. on and on. And you can see Michael and I in the studio doing this all the time where we're like, and we just sit. Well, here's the thing. Part of what you have to do when you're mixing is Listen. You got to listen to it on different sets of speakers. You have to you listen. listen to it on on your good speakers in the studio. Then you listen to it computer speakers. You listen on your phone. Listen on your phone. Listen through earbuds. Bring your phone into your to car, the car. Listen to it in the car. And all of that listening takes time, mm-hmm. and and time is money, right? <laughs> it's that that's the, so, and and right. not nobody's like trying to be a jerk about it. To, no, to, exactly. They're trying to do their job, right? Because they want your song to sound amazing. Right. They want whatever work they're doing right. to sound great. Yeah. And I can guarantee you, <laughs> people who, well, I can't guarantee you, people who I've worked with who are amazing, you know, they charge you for 10 hours. Mm-hmm. They've they worked at they, least 15. They've worked at least 15. Yeah. You know what I mean? I know we do that. Oh, yeah. You know absolutely. It, 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 just because it matters to us, we want it to sound right. Exactly. We want it to sound and feel the best it can. Right. You know, unlimited budget would be amazing. Right. If you want an unlimited budget, get your own studio. Right. Because then you can just do it all the time. And the more you do it, the better you get. Yes. Right? And, exactly. And uh, listen to and watch... Uh, instructional instructional videos yeah. all the time. Join join sites, websites where they have cool, uh, um, what's the, produce like a pro. Yeah. Um, is this amazing site where you can buy videos of people, you know, here's the guy that mixed that that single by Kiss. Here's the right. guy that mixed, you know, all this the stuff ones that from the Lumineers Mac, latest that, album. This is the, yeah, exactly, the Lumineers latest album. Here's right. the guy that mixed that new cool tune by, by, um, Imagine Dragons, and right. the video is $59, and you sit in your studio, and you watch the video over and over again, and you learn the tricks that they're doing. This is one of the cool things about um, the the internet and the mm-hmm. availability of what's, what's out there, is that there are things you can join, spend a little bit of time, spend a little bit of money, right? and they cut your learning curve, and they make, they make you better at what you're doing. Exactly. Right? 
And that's a, that's a cool way to do it. You know, yeah. you become a better engineer. It doesn't mean you're never going to go to a studio again, but maybe you'll be able to do your demos on your own. Right. So that by the time you get to the studio, you're you're wasting time less. Exactly. Right? Exactly. You're not going in and you know already that the bass part and the drum part go together. Right. You know that the kick drum and the bass are are not fighting each other. You guys know that you all start on the one and not the four and of the measure before. Exactly. Right? So many times you get bands in the studio and You know they don't... that that's an E major and not an E minor. Everybody's yes. aware of that. Right. Right. Or or maybe some bizarre thing you heard B instead it's... of E and you've been playing a B the whole time. You've been playing a B and the whole time. And it's fine because there's a B in the E chord. Kind of works. And it works if you're the bass player, you're just doing a weird fifth. I don't know, <laughs> exactly. you know but if you're the guitar player, if... you're playing the wrong chord. Well, you're... here's the thing. You don't want to be doing the weird fifth if the singer's singing the third. Right? Unless you do. Unless you Unless do. it sounds amazing, Unless right? It sounds so incredible. It sounds tremendous. Now right. you got the whole it's chord. Tremendous. Um but but right. so all of those things come out when you put everything underneath a microscope and you're right. and you're in the studio. Right. So part of what in this modern world, okay, yeah. where you're not always gonna have somebody spending money on you or right. spending time on you, which is like Exactly. Money. People spending time with you is their money. Right. They're investing time in you. And time is one of our most precious resources. Commodity. Commodity. It's not a resource really, right? It's a commodity. It's it's both. It is. is. It It works. Well, and I'm going to quickly jump in and say we appreciate you guys taking time. Spending time with us. To listen to us talk about this. And our our hope for this is that that we're going to save you time. That and we're going money. to save you time and money by by letting you know and a lot of frustration and heartache. Oh, yeah. And Screaming at people. Yeah. And, and, and having unrealistic, unrealistic expectations and feeling bad and getting exactly. in arguments with people and, and... And not understanding why $500 isn't enough to record five songs. Right. Right. It's just... It's not. Right. And here's... And, and we've just spent, you know, 40 minutes talking about just scratching the surface, really. Oh, my gosh. Of some of what goes into a recording. Yeah. I mean, we didn't talk about pre-studio production. We didn't talk about... You know, right. arrangement. We didn't talk about real production. We didn't talk about. We didn't talk about duplication. We didn't talk oh. about what's your marketing plan for when you do release right. it. Right. We, and we didn't talk about what a producer actually does and why you want a producer. Right. We didn't talk about how to pick an engineer or pick a studio. Right. Or if you have to pick mu- musicians, how to do that, or that they're going to, you know, what they're going to cost, or who's going to write up the charts so that they know how to play the song. Who's going to play all the parts? If if you're going to have, if you play with a band. But they're not really your band. Should you have them in the studio, or should you hire session musicians, or should you have the producer record all that stuff? Right. All there's That's, just so, there's much, so stuff much that goes into it, and the and the focus of this podcast was so that when you get to that point where you th- you're thinking I'm ready to record, right, that you remember that budget is going to dictate, yeah, how much time and how much what kind of studio and what kind of product you can get on the other end. And trying to avoid unrealistic expectations but, on your part. But be happy because 50 bucks an hour for studio time is oh my gosh, is what was being charged 30 years ago. Yeah. And the quality of what everybody's was, got now and what 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 people could get for 30 bucks, 50 bucks an hour 30 oh, years man. ago is nothing like what you can get now. Oh yeah, it's for amazing. that same amount of it's money. Amazing. Remember Labels used to spend 
hundreds of thousands of dollars on one record. Oh yeah. And, and now, now you can get something that sounds as good or better for 10,000. Yeah. Exactly. And you just have to understand what you're doing and be smart about what you're doing with your budget and with your time. So it, it, this is the best time in the world to record to be a recording, a recording artist. The possibilities for what you have, what's available to you, what you're able to do on a budget have never been more available and plentiful. Exactly. We just want it. we want to make sure that you start to go into it with eyes open. Yes. So that you can avoid spending too much money, too much time. Or or being the jerk that goes, you know, exactly. I should be able to do five songs in an hour, right? <laughs> right. We want you to go into it prepared, ready to have a great time. Exactly. Because, you know, we got this. We got your back. 